is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 161, for Monday, April the 21st, 2014. We've got an exciting, fun show coming up today, I think, Jay. I'm excited and having fun already. That's good. So we're going to do our very own version of an Ask Me Anything, but I guess in this case, it's more of an Ask Us Anything. It's an AUA. That's exactly what it is. So this is in celebration of our... 50,000 likes on Facebook that we hit last week. The promise was that when we did, Jason would post something on our page for the first time ever. Well, I don't, it's not the first time ever. There has, if you go back into the history, into the annals of the page history, I have posted and I have commented uh, on a couple of things, but it has been a very long time and it has definitely not been a, uh, a consistent thing. So not a regular occurrence? No. Okay. Well, anyways, we promised, or you did. It was, your, it was all your idea that that we that you'd post something when we hit fifty thousand, which we did. And what you posted is that you invited everyone in the comments for that post to send us in their questions, and we would dedicate an entire podcast, if necessary, to answering them. Awesome. And that's what we're going to do today. So I think it should be fun. Now we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to it. Before that, though, the first thing I want to do is remind everyone that just in case you skipped last week's podcast or missed it for some reason. I, I did. Yeah. I, I skipped it and or missed it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. In, in that case, the reason is you were just not invited. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. So here's what happened. Number 160. It came out last week, last Monday, and it is all of the entries we got in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. And I'd always planned to put those out, just string them all together and, and release them. But I decided at the last minute, the 11th hour, as they say, that they needed some kind of introduction. So I, it was like 11 p.m. I was sitting here. I was about to go. And I'm like, you know, I better record something just to go off the top, let people know what's going on. And that way, no one's confused when they just hear a bunch of random stuff on the podcast. So Right. So at the 11th hour, you decided to do this. Yes. Which is both figurative and figurative and literal uh, because it was at the 11th hour. It was roughly 11 p.m. You're right. It's yeah. and it both uh, both words apply. But the point is, it was kind of late to call you up and say, hey, man, fire up your microphone. Let's record something. And I only intended it to be a couple minutes at most anyways. Right. And I was I was fast asleep. I wouldn't have responded to a text or a phone call at that point because I was asleep. So there you go. So I just went ahead and did it. And it is the first podcast in 160 podcasts that you didn't do not appear on, right? If I'm not mistaken, there's there has never been one where we haven't both been here, right? I, I don't think so. I don't think uh, not that I recall. If there was, it was way back in like episode four or something, where again you probably did something without thinking that I might want to be a part of it. <laughs> you make me sound like a dick, <laughs> which isn't that hard, maybe. Anyways, uh, I don't think we have ever done one with both or well i don't think we've ever done one where either of us wasn't here until now right. so there's a first time for everything well there you go anyways um if you want to hear that go back and download number 160 in case you missed it that has all of the scenes recorded right there so 
we are going to do a listener email of the week this week because it's a follow-up to something we talked about on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Right. And this is an email. It comes from Dennis in Richmond, Virginia. Dennis says, in response to the ratings comparison between The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, I looked up their subscriber numbers. As of August 2013, AMC is received by approximately 97,699,000 Americans. Wow. It's pretty specific, I thought, actually. Uh, HBO doesn't release how many U.S. subscribers it has, but SNL Kagan, a media research and an analysis firm puts that number at about 28.7 million. With HBO having roughly a third the subscribers, I'd say 6 million versus 15 million is pretty good. And he's referring to 6 million people watching Game of Thrones versus 15 million people watching The Walking Dead. Right. He concludes with HBO's numbers don't include people using HBO Go, which is a lot apparently, and Game of Thrones is the most pirated TV show ever. Right. So no. one third the subscribers, and I'd say about um, half, well, a little under half the like the weekly ratings. Right. So I'm just thinking of in terms of percentages, uh, Game of Thrones had a, a higher percentage of their uh, possible viewers than uh, The Walking Dead did. Um, but I'm just thinking that uh, that number may not be quite accurate because if you are an HBO subscriber, you're an active participant. Like you're paying actual good hard-earned cash dollars for your HBO subscription. And the reason a lot of people get HBO are for shows like uh, Game of Thrones. So they would be a much more active participant in, in viewing that. So, uh, you know, raw percentages of available viewership is uh, probably not a great measure. So wait, what you're saying is that people who people who get HBO are specifically getting it to watch say Game of Thrones for example. So a, a higher percentage of the number of subscribers will by default watch that show. Right. Well, I'm not saying uh, just because they, you know they're not HBO subscribers because they like Game of Thrones, which they very well may be. Just because uh, to become an HBO subscriber, you have to be uh, you have to like stuff like that. Well, you don't have to, but you probably like to watch those, you know, the quality of shows that uh, HBO puts on the air. And HBO, yeah. Basically, what you're saying is HBO. Um, a lot more people will subscribe to HBO specifically for that show than, say, people will right. get AMC specifically for The Walking Dead. Because I think AMC, at least in Canada, is included in a variety of cable TV packages. Right. Right? So, so you, there you might get be it. people that, uh, you know, sign up, said get AMC that, uh, you know, as part of a package and never turn tune into AMC and don't care. Right. Whereas with HBO... It probably isn't the case in a lot of cases. You get HBO because you want HBO. And if you want HBO, you're going to watch HBO shows. Yeah, that, that seems to make sense. So, um, But it's still a, an interesting comparison where we have a third the subscribers and roughly half the viewership. I wonder why HBO Go, that's their on-the-go mobile viewing solution for HBO stuff. I wonder if, why that's not included in... The numbers do they just consider it such a different medium like it's not on tv really so they don't include it they measure it separately do you think uh probably and it probably has to do with money it, it's probably uh you know monetized differently so they you know it's apples and oranges so they they don't mix the numbers together right right and they probably do that as 
because their bean counters say we'll make more money if we don't mix them together at all. Yeah, well, if that's right, if we can promote these or or uh, report these numbers separately, we can probably sell advertising against them differently or something like that. Right. Not lump them all in, into one. And and regarding the point about Game of Thrones being the most pirated TV show ever, I'd heard that too, but I'm pretty sure The Walking Dead is up there as well. And right. it's very close to the top of the most pirated shows. And of course, those are numbers or viewers that you can't include in metrics as well. I have a I have a problem with Game of Thrones. Now, I like Game of Thrones and I'll watch Game of Thrones, but I'm uh, I'm having a hard time staying away from Game of Thrones spoilers right now. Wow, I totally agree. I am now officially 100% caught up on Game of Thrones. I've seen up to, well, okay, I haven't seen season four, episode three yet, but I've seen up to season four, episode two. I, well, I'm not that caught up. I'm caught up to the end of season three. All right, well... It is hard to stay away from spoilers from that show. If you open Facebook, you're like spoiled on on Game of Thrones. Or if yeah. you're just browsing around the internet. I was looking at Boing Boing the other day, and they had an article about a recent episode of Game of Thrones with a spoiler right in the headline. It's yeah. it's tough. I, I totally agree with you. I don't have that problem with any other show. See, the thing is, that that's precisely the thing I would be avoiding if I pirated Game of Thrones. Like I buy The Walking Dead on iTunes and I watch it. It comes down, uh, comes down the day, you know, the night after it airs, and I get to watch it. But with HBO shows, iTunes doesn't get it really until it's uh, until the season is completely over, right? That's right. And I, is that the case for this season of Game of Thrones? Do you know if season four is available for uh, on iTunes? Do you know? No, it's definitely not. They it's yeah. and it's because of things like HBO Go. They've created their own streaming service for right. their their content. So in order to not get spoiled, I have to pirate this show and have to stay up to date on the episodes as they are. Or subscribe to HBO. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, no, because it's actually pretty expensive in my opinion here. Yeah. And as you know, I've gone, you know, I've moved away from traditional cable and all that. As have I. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's making it hard not to pirate this show is my problem. So, so far I've been able to avoid it and I've been able to avoid uh, most spoilers because as you may or may not be aware, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. Uh, no, I, I am, I am aware of that. <laughs> and I'm not sure I've ever gone to Boing Boing. It's a pretty good blog. Yeah, I'm on Reddit all the time, but I look at specific, uh, uh, Reddit subreddits and, yep. uh, the ones that I read have, you know, spoiler in the title, yeah. which tells you that this contains a spoiler so I can just easily avoid those. Right. And it's pretty pretty well self-moderated. So uh, uh, if somebody did put a spoiler in there, they get free and beat, beat up virtually. Yeah, yeah. Reddit's good for that. I look at the Walking Dead Reddit uh, subreddit all the time, and they're good about spoilers there. Although, you know, spoilers come with this job, so I don't worry yeah. about it too much. Yeah. All right. Anyways, thank you, Dennis, for sending in that uh, that email. Good, uh, good discussion about the differences between AMC and HBO right there. Mm -hmm. All right, Jason, let's get into our AUA. Okay. We're going to just go jump right in. So I dive right in. Do we have a, do we have a bumper for this? Uh, we do not. Do you want to sing right. one? No, I really, really, please really, come on. Really, sing really one. don't. <laughs> um, what we do have though, is the Facebook post. There was a whole bunch of comments there. I went through, pulled out everything I could because we more or less agreed to answer pretty much everything that came in that wasn't, uh, I don't know, completely inappropriate or anything like that. So there was lots of good questions. And I'll be honest with you. I did not spend 
a great deal of time preparing answers to these questions. I don't know about you. Uh, no, I did. Uh, I also uh, did not spend a great deal of time. So a lot of this will be off the cuff. Yeah. Now I did go through them and where they required a little bit of thought, I tried to, you know, I tried to t take the time to do that thinking <laughs> and, right. uh, and when, where necessary. But yeah, like you said, most of this a little bit off the cuff, we'll see how it goes. So do you want to alternate reading the questions or should I just plow through them? Just plow through them. All right. So this first one comes from longtime listener, Michael Kostka. And he says, how did you guys meet? And then Sandra Pizer followed up with a comment on his comment saying online dating. Yeah. We met on the, that, the, the, the popular site, Epod Lama, Lava Harmony Life. <laughs> Epod Lama? Lama? Epod Lava Harmony, <laughs> Harmony Life. I like the Lama better. <laughs> Yeah, Llama Life. <laughs> that's where you go and uh, that's where you meet other podcasters. Right, <laughs> right. But th that's not true, though. The real answer is we met in jail, <laughs> no. of course. Yeah, we met in yeah we met in jail. Chris, you uh, you stole a car. I was doing time for Grand Theft Auto. That's right. And for you, it was solicitation, was it not? It was. I was. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, solicited by a police officer that uh, basically brought me down. Well, that and you know, I was uh, I was talking to a John, and he offered me money for sex. <laughs> And uh, I, I couldn't say no, so I got arrested. <laughs> and we met in jail. Yeah. It was the cafeteria, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had a fork, you had a knife. It was uh, We were meant to be together. It was meatloaf day. It was meatloaf day, and you yeah, you needed the knife for that meatloaf, believe me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was mostly bread and a little bit of uh, concrete. That's right. Concrete mix. All right, so the actual real-life, honest-to-goodness answer is that uh, we worked together once upon a time. We met at work. Yeah, a long time ago, we met through a mutual friend who I had been working with for a while, and yep. then you came on board uh, into that company. And oh, that's right. I see. I just kind of put the cart before the horse there. We actually met before I started working for Maple, but uh, we, we really got to know each other while at work. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's right. And then we worked together. That was, I don't know what. 2003. Uh, so, 2002, 2003. Yeah, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. That's where go. we met friend of the show, Dave, too, because we both worked with him at the same company. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Did Dave start before you? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was working with him before you came in. That's right. I remember the first day I started there, uh, we all went to Swiss Chalet for lunch, and you guys talked about uh, getting drunk and uh, <laughs> uh, at a party of some kind. Well, I, I don't recall the conversation, but that sounds like the kind of thing we would talk about back then. <laughs> Yeah. Good times. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Dale Engelberger writes, given that eventually The Walking Dead will reach the end of its run, what would be the absolute worst way to end the series? Lori wakes up, Rick's in the shower. It's all a dream. Right. And I'll be honest with you, Dale. That is probably the one of the worst ways I can think of it ending. That, of course, is comes from Dallas. Where right. the entire one of the entire seasons of Dallas, somebody wakes up and the last season was all a dream. I, I think it comes from Newhart too. I don't know uh, the first Bob Newhart show. Uh, I, I think don't that also happened there. I'm not sure whether whether Dallas was first or not, but that uh, waking up and it all being a dream. I think Newhart was a joke on the idea. Right. Well, the whole that concept for The Walking Dead has been around for a little while, right? And people because Rick wakes up in a coma. Uh, wakes up wakes up from a coma in the first episode um a lot of people 
go back to that and say, what if this whole thing is his coma dream and at the end he's going to wake up and, you know, all the characters that are dead are all standing around his bed welcoming, welcome, welcoming him back, you know, sort of like Wizard of Oz. But that would be absolutely terrible. But I'm, I'm going to say I'm 100% certain that Robert Kirkman's not going to pull something like that on us. So yeah. can you think of some other way that would be the worst ending to this whole series? Uh, they all die in a rock slide. <laughs> Everybody dies in a rock slide. There's absolute no moral conclusion. There's just a physical conclusion to, uh, to the, to the storylines and all the characters with uh, no moral conclusion. So it just stops. It doesn't it just end. Stops. It just you stops. Know, it, it just stops. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say with anything good happening, because that would be so out of style for this show, because nothing good ever happens on The Walking Dead. Right. Well, they're not even overwhelmed or, you know, go out in a blaze of glory. It's just, you know, they all die in a rock slide. Yeah. Having nothing to do with anything. They're walking down the road, and there's a rock slide, and there's nobody to, to get them out. So they all die. In all honesty, I think we have talked about the end of this before. I don't know what on, on what episode, but I do think that I would like somebody to survive and I would like there to be some sort of glimmer of hope. And that may be kind of typical for the zombie genre where they get away, they fly off in the helicopter, whatever, and there's some sort of hope that it'll all be better. I don't think I want The Walking Dead to come with any solid conclusions or, or absolute answers to the, the problem or the rebuilding of society or anything like that. But that little, that little bit of, of hope might be okay at the end of, the f end of this whole thing. Right. The details of how that all plays out, I got no idea. Yeah, really. I don't know. Um, but we were supposed to talk about worst ending. Anyways, so yeah, just that stopping and that's yeah, it. Yeah, a physical conclusion with no moral conclusion. All right. Nick Parker asks, do you think we'll see Morgan from season one make another appearance? And what are your thoughts on Beth? Yes. So first of all, Morgan, I have a definitive answer for you there, uh, Nick. Is it the same answer that I just gave? Uh, pretty much. Scott Gimple was interviewed by Larry King recently. He was asked about Morgan, and his answer was, I am so determined to make that happen by hook and by crook that I can definitively say yes, but there's a time and tide that can get in the way. Huh. So he's not saying when or how or what, but he does say Morgan will be back, or at least he really, really wants Morgan to be back. So if he has anything to say about it, sounds like Morgan will be there. Right, so it's a definitive yes uh, but it's based on uh, Scott Gimple really, really, really wanting it to happen. Right. Which is not a guarantee. Well, I guess not a guarantee, but <laughs> it's as close as to a guarantee we're going to get. It, it is. And at least it's not Robert Kirkman saying, yes, absolutely, we're going to see Morgan back. Well, we're going to see him back next episode. I, <laughs> yeah. You can't he was on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of thing that Kirkman would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people would believe it, too. Yeah. As we know, nothing that comes out of that man's mouth can be taken at face value. Right. Um, really quickly, what are our thoughts on Beth? Um, my thoughts are she was taken away by a mystery car, and we'll probably get an answer to that in season five. I sure hope so, because that'd be really dumb if we didn't. It would. Maybe she'll show up with Morgan. We already talked about that, I think. But, uh, you know, maybe Morgan got her. Actually, that is kind of cool if she did show up with Morgan, except that they've never crossed paths in the show before, so they wouldn't know each other. So it would oh, be... That'd be even better. It would be a random thing for her to show up with Morgan, and Rick is like, hey, Morgan, I know you. And then it would be all a family reunion. 
Yeah, and everybody would hug, and uh, that'd be fantastic. They'd find a nice, safe place with butterflies, and they would go off into the sunset happily ever after. Speaking of bad endings, <laughs> they they end up in a butterfly sanctuary, and uh, they live happily ever after, covered in butterflies. Except then they have to eat them because they have no food. Are can you get any nutrition from a butterfly? <laughs> I doubt very much, unless you have a lot of them. Yeah, and don't knock butterfly sanctuaries. There's one near Niagara Falls, which I rather enjoy. I've been to it. I liked it. Fun stuff. Except except there were so many butterflies around, you couldn't avoid the one occasionally getting stepped on. So there were some butterfly carcasses on the ground, which I thought was a little sad, and so did my daughter, but it was oh. still fun to be there. I didn't really notice that when I was there. Okay, well, look next time. I uh, was too busy having butterflies land on me. And eating them. No, I wouldn't. Didn't eat them. I'll I'll describe uh, that story a little bit later. It comes up in another question later on. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Blair Kirby writes, "Hey guys, love the show. My question is, what would each of your weapon of choice slash signature weapon in the zombie apocalypse be? Example: Rick's revolver, Michonne's katana, Daryl's crossbow. Mine would be a baseball bat because every time you smashed in a zombie's head, you could make some bad baseball pun like strike. You're out." Right. So do you have a weapon of choice, Jason? Uh, I do. It would be a, a, a drone with Hellfire missiles on it. No, I'm kidding. It would be a flattened uh, shovel that's been sharpened, like a, like a spade. Yep. You flatten out the blade, and then you sharpen the blade, and you got yourself uh, something with a good reach, and that you can uh, chop people's heads off. If you, you, Either way, you slice or stab or whatever, you can really get a good... Uh, uh, a good poke in. Yeah, you know, that's not bad. If I was going to choose something, I would say lightsaber, but that ventures into the realm of the impossible. It also ventures into the, uh, you know, chances are you're going to hurt yourself yeah. really badly. It's <laughs> like having a monofilament whip. That's just, do you know what that is? A uh, single it, atom whip or something like that? Yeah, it's a really, really, really thin whip that's sort of like a lightsaber. just chops things in half, but uh, they're very, very dangerous to uh, to yourself. They don't really exist. They're a made-up weapon as well. And uh, Railgun doesn't exist either, right? Oh, Railgun they're working on. Railgun, they got uh, do, a, do a search for uh, video on uh, Railguns. The, uh, the U.S. military is working on tests right now. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, if I can't have a lightsaber, um, I think I was, it's funny. I was thinking um, an ice chopper. You know those ice choppers you can get here? They don't have uh, a very big head on them, but I thought if you sharpen that down, that wouldn't be too bad either. The only problem is you need to be pretty accurate with it. Like an ice pick? Not an ice pick. No, it's it's a nice chopper. It's got a flat. It's like a hoe kind of. It has a flat head on it, right. and it's it's only I don't know four or six inches wide, long handle, and uh, you can just use it to chop straight up and down on ice. Oh or, yeah, or an okay. ice scraper. We call them here sometimes. Yeah, too. yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be good. <clears throat> and if you that, that's the kind of thing I mean with the flattened sharpened shovel. Yeah, pretty much. I was thinking that just we wouldn't have to flatten a, a shovel, but sharpen that up a little bit. It would be pretty good. You know, any kind of. Um, claw hammer or something I think would be good. You don't need ammo. You don't need, you don't really, It's it doesn't break easily, stuff like that. Um, but I think uh, Blair's baseball bat is, it meets that criteria too. The only problem is it's not a sharp weapon. It's a blunt weapon. Oh, you put a spike through that, you're, uh, you're good to go. That's true. That's true. Baseball bat with a spike through it. That's right. I wonder if wood or metal, metal's probably better, eh? A baseball? Uh, yeah, I don't tough, know. Tough call. Wood would slowly absorb blood and things like that, get heavier. Maybe that's okay, oh, yeah. though. I don't know. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's true. <laughs> All right. Next question. Simon James writes, 
Hi guys, who is your favorite and least favorite character in The Walking Dead? I personally love Daryl and hate Carl. That little kid needs shooting. <laughs> he needs a shooting, does he? He does, apparently. <laughs> um, my favorite character. It's so hard to choose a favorite character. It really is. Um, I I'm having an even harder time choosing a least favorite character. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But I, if if I was had to go with a favorite, it it honestly changes all the time. Um, I still think there's probably more to Bob's story that we're going to get. And I, for some reason, find myself interested in Bob's story, even though we got a little bit of it, little bit of his backstory recently. So I look forward to that. Um, I think the governor, to be honest, is a pretty interesting character mm -hmm. and, and I would take him. So, you know, those are, those are, those two are good in terms of least favorite. Um, I don't know. Do you have a favorite while I'm thinking about it? So as far as favorite goes, like you, uh, my favorites change over time. Like every episode is, uh, it has a new favorite character. Right now, I think my favorite is Carol. And that's yeah. because I, I find her the most interesting right now. I th her character, her story is uh, very interesting in the way she handles situations. You know, basically, uh, if there's anything wrong with you whatsoever, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, and uh, you know that's interesting the way she the way she thinks, and just because of her uh, you know her emotional damage over the years and recently. So I think uh, right now Carol's my favorite just because she's the most interesting. Yeah, and you know what? That's kind of how I look at it. It's it's the characters that I know the least about and that I'm anxious to find out more about. I think are the ones that sort of rise to the top in terms of my favorites. So even though I think Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene are sort of cheesy a little bit cheesy right now i right. do think eugene is an interesting character and i i look forward to finding out you know more about him and to be honest some of the people at terminus like mary and gareth like these people we don't know anything about what's going on at terminus right now other than what you know a lot of assumptions that people have made so i can't see really... i picked mary as my least favorite right now i can't say i can't say they're favorites because i don't have any emotional connection to them whatsoever right they're just yeah. brand new i am interested to find out more um but what makes mary your least favorite well a couple of reasons one is uh just i think she has a the fact that she's cooking all the meat and you know if it's human meat then uh she is just downright diabolical and is in charge of, uh, in, I think she's got, she's going to be in charge of this place, in my opinion, because she's always the one, you know, offering to make up a plate, that kind of thing. Uh, the second reason is uh, the actress that plays Mary is Denise Crosby, and I've always hated her. She's I from, hated her on Star Trek. Yeah. I hated her in everything she's ever done. <laughs> you just hate the woman personally. <laughs> yeah, it's a personal thing. I've always just despised her. I was so happy when she got killed off on Star Trek. Uh, I mean, she got killed off on Star Trek because the because she did a spread in Playboy, and uh, Gene Roddenberry didn't like that, so she, she got fired and killed off. I disliked her so much that I've never gone to look to see what that Playboy spread looked like. Like, I just don't care. Wow, that's uh, that's <laughs> something right there. <laughs> so yeah, so that's uh, and by extension, I hate Mary, and I will always hate Mary because it's played by Denise Crosby. Okay, sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> um, all right. Next question, uh, Simon James. Nope, we just did Simon. Kevin Wright, do you think the word zombie exists in the Walking Dead universe? If so, do you think someone, uh, don't you think someone would have mentioned it by now? 
I think it does exist because there are so many different names that different people have for uh, walkers. Or, you know, there's walkers, there's, uh, what they call them, geeks at one point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did the governor call them? Biters. Biters. So there's all kinds of different names. I'm sure zombies out there somewhere. Here's the thing. The word zombie has never been said on the TV show that I can remember. Although I'm pretty sure it has been used in the comic. Right. Um, and the thing is, though, somebody on AMC's Talking Dead show at one point said that this is a universe where zombie movies and zombie fiction and lore just doesn't exist. So they don't have they don't have a word for what these things are, and that's why they come up with their own words for it. Right. Now, that specifically about the TV show, I'm someone correct me if I'm wrong, but like I said, I think the word has been used on the in the comic. So if everything is canon, then technically I guess the word does exist in the universe. Um, but you're, but Kevin, who asked the question, is right. You know, you'd think someone would have said it by now. So right. I, I don't really know. I have a feeling... It doesn't exist on the TV show, but it does in the comic, and that's just the way it is. So, well, I think it. I think that the word will show up eventually, and you know, sure, there might not be, you know, Night of the Living Dead or any zombie movies or zombie genre stuff, but the word zombie has origins other than, you know, uh, zombie current zombie culture. That's right? true. Showing up, so there's Haitian folklore, uh, there's religious stuff. I'm sure, uh, you know, these words exist. Other outside of this, you know, this uh, you know, pop culture kind of reference, so I'm sure that the the word will show up somewhere. Okay, that's that's a good point actually. That zombie doesn't just mean the undead necessarily, right? So it did, and actually, I think uh, uh, in Haitian folklore, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia here, uh, an animated corpse raised by magical means, such as wolf witchcraft, or uh, basically somebody who is in control. Uh, of someone else, most likely either dead or like dead. Right. So that could show up. Okay. Lauren Spellman asks, just wondering if you have any plans to review season two of Telltale's The Walking Dead game like you did with season one. Yes, we do. That is the answer. We have already talked about the first episode of season two. Um, I wasn't smart enough to look up what number podcast it was on, but if you go back to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, you should be able to go through and find that episode. We had the uh, Melissa Hutchison, who does the voice of Clementine, on that that show, so that was really fun. What we're going to do um, next is we've already played um, Season 2, Episode 2. We're going to wait until number 3 comes out, Episode 3, and then we'll do a podcast on Episode 2 and 3 together. Sure. And then probably four and five together after that. So we'll definitely be talking about the game a little bit more. So it's uh, episode 141, uh, the first podcast back, uh, first, po- first podcast in 2014. Oh, look at that. Good work. 141. That was Melissa Hutchison. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Maria Stokes Gibbs asks, how did you come up with the idea for the podcast? And two, tell us each of your most embarrassing moments. Okay, so uh, let's. Uh, if I go to, I have a question about the second part of the question. So, is it just most embarrassing moments in our lives, or the most embarrassing moment as it relates to the podcast? Um, I really didn't consider that, and I don't know. I was going to, I was going to tell a story that wasn't especially embarrassing at the time, 
but it may be somewhat embarrassing to tell on the air. So I'm kind of going meta here and creating an embarrassing moment all at once for myself. Okay, so this moment is the most embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if it qualifies as most, but <laughs> it, it, I think it's kind of an embarrassing story. But let's, let's deal with how we came up with the idea for the podcast first. Sure. As I recall, we had been podcasting on and off for a few years before we ever started doing this one. Yep. And that was really fun. We really enjoyed doing it. We did a couple of different versions of the same kind of show. We did something with friend of the show, Dave, and all that stuff is out there somewhere. Uh, probably anyways, still. Yeah. Shows were like Breakfast for Geeks and Renerd Radio. Yep. And then there was the video podcast we did on... Uh, it was called Two Guys Hurling, where we built the uh, the trebuchet, the, the scale model trebuchet. Yep. That was fun. That's in my garage right now. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad we still have it. Um, yeah, so those are all out there somewhere. The, the Two Guys Hurling one was just six, I think just six episodes, broke up the construction of that thing. Anyways, um, when we were sitting around one day, I think, talking about how much we love TV and that if they ever do a TV podcast, I believe you said we should, sorry, if they ever do a zombie TV show, <laughs> we should yeah. do a podcast for it. We should. And it, uh, I think it originated from like, even before they announced, or uh, you know, they uh, announced this show at all. Uh, we were talking about, uh, Battlestar Galactica and how I, uh, I wanted a TV show that was like Battlestar Galactica but zombies, mm -hmm. you know, you have Battlestar Galactica, you have the remnants of humanity fleeing uh, a relentless uh, enemy and uh, they, that keeps whittling them away and they have to keep going into places of hiding and surviving and doing whatever they need to do to survive. That fits perfectly into a zombie genre. So uh, I was thinking that if they ever do a zombie show, uh, we got to do a podcast about it. And I think I, at least I was already reading the Walking Dead comic at that time. You were, yeah. Right. And so I, and I was started thinking, here's the property. If they ever do this, let's do it. So what happened was when word came out that AMC had picked up the rights to it, and that's when we decided to record our first episode. And that was September of 2009. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while, man. It has really yes. been a while. And it, that was like a half an hour. And basically we just got on there we said, hey, AMC bought the rights to The Walking Dead. It's a very cool comic. We are going to do a podcast about this TV show. And at this point, we have no idea when the next episode of this podcast will be. We're just going to play it by ear and come to you or record an episode when there's something to talk about. Right. And, and that was even before AMC greenlit the show. They just bought the rights. They just said, okay, we are interested in maybe pursuing the development of something like this. Yeah, exactly. And and we thought, let's get on board early. Let's start right away. So we did. And then I think our next one came, you know, three or four weeks after that. And we slowly got into a, uh, a, a routine of doing the news. And eventually they, you know, they bought six uh six episode first season and we went from there so yeah those were good times um so now most embarrassing moments who you want me to go first or you well again do you want me to tell you know two most embarrassing moments i mean on on the air the most embarrassing thing i can think of is trying to get through some of the listener feedback and uh you know just mangling the sentence structure <laughs> Like just utterly destroying it and not being able to speak or read or do anything <laughs> to the point where uh, I have to, uh, to avoid that, I have to 
get the listener feedback as far ahead as I can from you or to, you know, crunch it myself from the, from the emails and the, and Facebook and such, uh, so that I have a chance to go through it once to, and, you know, basically structure it so that I am able to, uh, to, to read it on the air without uh, messing it up too badly. Yeah. I, I read everything that comes in as an email, of course, ahead of time, just to make sure it's appropriate for the show. But then after that, I don't really look at it again until we're, on the air reading. So I just sort of wing it to be honest, but I don't think I have too much trouble doing it successfully. Sometimes I think I oh, have you're more better at it than I am. I think I have more trouble, you know, getting the own, my own words out of my mouth than I do somebody <laughs> else's. But, uh, that whole well-spoken thing that was a, that was a thing for a while seems to have gone away. So yeah, it really has. Clearly I'm not, or we are not as well-spoken <laughs> as we used to be. Um, right. well, okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have, I didn't think of an on-air embarrassing moment, but here's here's my embarrassing story. Sure. Speaking of when we were working together, way back when, um, I was sent, uh, sent on assignment for a few times. I was sent to Des Moines, Iowa for work. Oh, to work. yeah. That's right, to work for a client down there. I went three times, I think, for about a week each time. And I, I joined that project well into it. So other people from the company were already there and had been going there for months at this point. So I was coming in late. Um, I didn't really know. It was really some of the first work travel I'd ever had to do. Didn't really know what to expect, how to, how to handle it, whatever. I flew to Chicago, then I flew to Des Moines. And I was supposed to be met at the airport by one of the guys we were working with who was already there. And he was going to pick me up take me to the hotel, you know, get me in, show me around a little bit and get me started, which sounded great because I don't know how that was, uh, I was in my twenties, I guess. That was before I met you. That was before we actually uh, started working together. So mid twenties, probably, probably 14, 14 years ago, something like that. Right. God damn, I'm old. Um, but, uh, so that was how it was supposed to go down, which sounds very pleasant to me. What happened instead is this guy comes to the airport. He picks me up. We get in the car. He's got a rental car. We start driving. I'm like, where's the hotel? And he says, we're not going to the hotel. I said, oh, really? Where are we going? We going to the office? (laughs) We going to the office? He's like, no, no, no. We're going to the strip club. That's what you do when you're traveling for business. I'm 20. I've traveled for business quite a few times over my career, and I don't recall ever uh, going to a strip club right from the airport. Well, you know, I maybe it's just what he did, and he figured right. he'd try to bring me into his little strip club world. I don't know. Right. Um, and I'm, but I'm like 25 years old, thinking, well, all right, what am I going to do with my bag? I'll just leave it in the trunk, I guess. So we do. We go to some weird, out of the way Des Moines, Iowa strip club, and we're sitting there, and you know, strip club things are happening around us, and that's all fine, <laughs> I guess. And uh, I have to go to the bathroom and you know, I've been on a plane for a number of hours before this. I haven't gone to the hotel yet. I really needed to, uh, not just, you know, go use the urinal. If you know what I'm saying. You had to, you know, had to make a transaction. (laughs) There was a transaction that needed to be, uh, achieved. It's exactly, exactly what I'm saying. Um, so I walk into the bathroom of the strip club and I'm, 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 I'm on my way in there thinking, you know, this probably is not going to be the most fun place to take a dump. To transact. To transact. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm like, I got to do this, you know, what else am I going to do? 
So I walk in there and this bathroom is weird. Like it's kind of long, a little bit narrow. There's sinks along one wall, urinals along one wall. And then at the very far end, there's a toilet. Right. There's no stall. It's just a toilet. There's just, there's a half wall. So a wall that comes out about halfway, halfway to the ceiling and halfway into the room. And then behind the wall is the toilet. So no door, no curtain, nothing. Right. And I'm like, I can't do it. There's no way. There's no way I can, I can do this here. (laughs) That's an inappropriate transaction location is what that is. A hundred percent. There's no freaking way I can, I can handle this. I just can't. So the story doesn't get any worse. I know people are probably <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I know what's coming next. But right. no, that didn't happen. The, what happened is I decided, forget it. I can't do this. I am going to suffer through the next however long it takes until I can get out of here. 72 hours. It was not, it was not 72 hours. It was, I don't, honestly, I don't remember anything about the rest of the night because I was probably so focused on, uh, right what I wasn't able to uh, transact. So I turned around, walked back out, went back to the table where we were, sat down, and uh, I don't know, suffered for a while until we eventually got back to the hotel. And then I was all blocked up for like three days, all screwed up, which is not what you want to have happen when you're on your first business trip, you know, to a new client and living in a hotel. So um, that's yeah, that's one of the worst sort of bathroom stories I have, and uh, you're you're okay now though, right? I'm I'm good now. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Okay. You know, so it's I'll, been a while. It's been 14 years. You know, you're you're back to normal. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. More more or less. Anyways, it. Uh, but I telling you, walking in there and being like, there's a half wall and a toilet. Like, what they clearly do not want people, anyone. They do not want anyone doing their business in here because that's just not enough privacy. I'm sorry. I don't know how big, I don't know how much of an emergency it would have had to have been for me to let it rip right there. Probably uh, quite the emergency. It would have. All right. Anyways, there you go, everyone. How's that? Do I have to tell an embarrassing life story now? I don't think so. I think mine can cover both of us unless you got a, unless you have one you want to tell. Well, there's, there's a quick one. Probably the most embarrassing thing I ever did in my whole life was uh, on August 25th, 1989. You would know the exact date. Yeah, I do. I'm I'm a date guy. So I remember uh, that was the day I met my friend Mike. Uh, anyway, I went to a party uh, at my friend Alistair's place. And I remember getting there and picking up a 26er of peach schnapps, twisting off the cap and downing it. I don't know how far I got through uh, that bottle because I blacked out halfway through the bottle. <laughs> peach schnapps, man. That's embarrassing enough right there. Well, I, it was just there. I don't even know whose it was. And the next, uh, I blacked out. That was one of the, you know, the two or three times in my life that I've ever actually blacked out. And I woke up the next morning naked in the sauna. Like they locked me in the sauna because at one point during the, uh, during the party, I decided I, uh, wanted to be naked. So I took off all my clothes and started running around the neighborhood and, uh, they had to chase me. There was like five or six guys apparently that had to chase me around the neighborhood and tackle me and carry me and lock me in the sauna so that I wouldn't run around the neighborhood naked anymore. So for a couple of years after that, uh, everybody called me naked man. Fantastic. (laughs) Those were good times. Naked man. Uh, This is The Talking Dead starring Chris and Naked Man. Yeah, Naked Man. (laughs) Good times. All right. Thank you, uh, Maria, for that 
Wonderful question. Katie Stubbs wants to know, what character do you guys think you most relate to? And if you could interview any cast member that's appeared on the show, who would it be? And what would you ask them? So I guess the character I most relate to would probably be Milton. Right oh now. my God, I forgot about Milton. Yeah. Because he uh, he telecommuted, worked at home, did some kind of damn thing that, uh, uh, you know, where he didn't have to interact with anybody. And right now I'm uh, I'm t- telecommuting on all of my projects and have been for uh, for a bit of time. So I'm starting to feel like um, I need to probably go into an office and work with other people for a while. See other human beings? See other human beings, interact with people other than my cats and my wife, which would be nice. <laughs> Although they're uh, nice. Well, because my wife calls me during the day and, uh, you know, says, how's your day going? And you know how, you know, every office has office politics? Mm-hmm. I-, I talk about the fights I have with the cats and them wanting to lie in the sunshine, but it's a rainy day and they can't lie in the sunshine because there's no sun and they get mad at me for that. So it's office politics with the cats and that that's just not a good thing. No, that's going to drive a man crazy. Yep. So I think it's time for me to uh, get on a project where I... Uh, have to work with a group of people. Well, I'll trade you. I could use some working at time home, working at home time. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so Milton well. did that, uh, and uh, he was some kind of scientific thing. I don't think we ever found out exactly what he did for a living, but uh, yeah, I can relate to Milton. Well, I'm going to say lately anyways, I was thinking probably Glenn, because Glenn's whole motivation this season, or at least the second half, was... Um, dedicating himself to to Maggie and then finding her and getting back to his new family or his family when when she was missing. And I was and trying you're to you're so in love with Lauren Cohen that you would do the same thing. I would I would go after her like there was no tomorrow cuz there right. very well may not be a tomorrow in the zombie. You would probably apartment. step on her father's head to get to, to get to her. Just kick it right out of the her. way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um but I think that had this happened and I was separated from my family somehow, I would probably be Right there, um, I say I would be single focused in trying to find them or get back to them. So, right, I can oh, say good. Glenn for now. Yeah. Um, who would we like to appear? Um, what cast Interview. member appear on the show? Um, you know that's an interesting question because we don't go out of our way to bring cast members on the show. It's true, and there is a reason for that. But I think, but you know, over the years we've had some of the secondary cast on. But I think if I was going to pick one primary person. I'd almost say David Morrissey. I oh, haven't, that'd be cool. I, I haven't heard as much, uh, sort of as many interviews with him as some of the other characters, and he doesn't seem to be quite as available. And I, I'm just, you know, that's just my perception of it. I don't know what the reality is, but that being the perception, I think it would be cool if we could bring him on and talk about the governor a little bit and uh, sort of how he approached it, I think. Right. I would like to, uh, you know, specifically, I'd like to have uh, Lou Temple on, who played Axel. Being the life of the party and all. Being the life of the party. I would ask him if it's possible to learn how to be as cool as he is. And it's probably not. I know the answer is probably no, but but thanks for asking. But uh, I would want to learn to be that cool. Okay. That's that's a good one. I like that. Lou Temple would be a fun guy to have on, that's for sure. He would. All right, Christine Williams asked, do you, do you guys have a plan in case of the zombie apocalypse? And if you do, do you plan to meet up somewhere, hopefully with your families in tow, with a stockpile of food and weapons to fight off the walkers? Uh, no and no. I say no and no as well. Um, however, do you remember that one time you 
we're driving along the four the highway uh, in Toronto here, and you pass that big building. It's in uh, Scarborough, Scarborough, I think. Yep. And you you sent me a message later and said, "Hey, I found this great place to hole up in the zombie apocalypse." Yeah. So that I would be a good spot. I, Let's meet there. I think that's probably where it should be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the it's a it's two condo towers on top of. Uh, what looks like a central complex that ha- that has the the parking garage and probably uh, you know uh, entertaining facilities like a ballroom or what have you maybe a pool or a gym uh, or something like that and the part of the bottom section with which has the parking garage faces the uh, the highway the highway 401 and uh, it's very well guarded like it's set up to not have people be able to get in there. Like there, it's like four or five stories tall on that side and it's all blocked off from uh, any kind of access. It's basically a solid, uh, solid concrete wall. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's glass bricks and there are, uh, vents and stuff, but they're all secured. Like trying to break into a glass brick, like through a grass, glass brick wall is probably pretty hard as well. Yeah. Cause they're really thick. Right. So, uh, at least that one side looks very secure. And so the, the front side probably can be secured. And then you have like five or six stories inside of a parking garage with lots of gasoline and cars and what have you. And then there's a rooftop, which has a, like a rooftop garden and a couple of bunch of trees and stuff. You could probably get away with planting some food up there if mm-hmm. you can manage it. And then you got two full uh, condo towers of, uh, you know, beds and, and supplies and stuff and supplies. Yeah. So let's meet there. Okay. I like it. I'm good. And if you ever needed to escape... You could have cars, you could escape out the back somehow through a vent or, or some sort of makeshift, you know, ladder or something to get down right onto a major highway, which you could escape away on. That's true. So I think that's, that's the place to go. So see, we it's right near uh, Scarborough Town Center, which, you know, if you're going to be holed up, be holed up. If you can't be holed up in a mall, be holed up near a mall. There you go. Good plan. So we do have a plan. Yeah. We just made it. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, next, who's next? Chris Bang writes, in the season finale, what was your interpretation of the meaning of that scene with the stranger being swarmed by walkers and his eye being bitten off? Everything else in this episode had a purpose and I felt as though this scene was out of place or I never picked up on its purpose other than, holy crap, that was gory. It was a nice contrast between Carl trying to remain good while Rick has grown much more cautious. However, I thought the writers already addressed Rick's willingness to help strangers uh, slash trusting others in in the conclusion of season three. So I saw this as a uh, a lesson to Carl and a lesson to the audience that you can't save everybody. I'm yep. I'm not because Carl wanted to go and save this person, and Rick was basically uh, saying to you know you remember in uh, um, the Wrath of Khan. Uh, you remember when Spock went in there and went into the, at the end of it, when he went in to uh, uh, fix the ship so that they could get away from the Genesis device and, you know, Khan and they blew up everything. Kind of. And Scotty said, uh, Kirk was trying to go in there and save him. It's like, I, I got to save him. He'll die. And then Scotty said, he's dead already. Right. Okay. It's the same kind of thing. You can't save everybody. He's already dead. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that this lesson came to fruition in this episode. It might have been a missed opportunity. It might have been something that they that didn't make it into the episode later on. Mm-hmm. Like the reason for the lesson. Well, I was thinking about this one a little bit. And if you remember later in this episode, Carl and Michonne are talking. And he's saying, Carl's saying that he's he's not what his dad thinks he is. Like 
Carl feels like a monster already, which kind of uh, contradicts what Carl was trying to do by running in helping this guy, right? Carl wanted right. to help him. Rick held him back, as you said, in sort of a you-can't-save-everybody lesson. But then Carl later on was saying, I feel like I'm a monster. Now, maybe he felt that way because he wasn't able to help the guy. I don't know. But in some ways, it sort of contradicts itself a little right. bit. So I don't know, but I like I like your I like your your theory here that you just can't save everyone, and sometimes you have to put you know watch out for number one kind of right. That's true. All right, Jack Samuel Morgan writes: If you could be a character from any zombie related universe, example The Walking Dead, Resident Evil, Zombieland, Dead Island, who would you be, and why? Uh, I'd be Ontario in Zombieland. You'd be Ontario in Zombieland. That would be yeah. that would be a new character. Well, yes, but the name's <laughs> the same naming convention as everybody else. But uh, I would be myself in Zombieland. What is it about Zombieland that makes you want to enter that universe? Uh, I don't. I, it's I don't kind know. of a fun one. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Well, to be honest, speaking of fun, here's what I I I I would go with Frank West from Dead Rising, the video game. Oh yeah, that'd be because good. that guy seemed like he had a lot of fun killing zombies, right? And uh, part of that was because he could use absolutely any freaking weapon he wanted. He could put stuff together. He could run down zombies with a giant like patio umbrella. He could just, you know, put a chainsaw on the end of a stick, and it was just really, really good. So he could beat up a zombie with a stuffed toy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. A giant bear. He could put it on its head and watch it, you know, wobble around. Should play that game again. I enjoyed that game quite a bit. So Frank West from Dead Rising, and I went to look up Dead Rising before this, and that game came out in two thousand and six. The first one. Yeah, the first one, or as I like to call it, Zombie Mall. Zombie Mall, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Christopher. Bohm writes, you guys obviously have some experience with broadcasting. Your podcast is very well produced and well organized, a rarity in independent podcasting. Well, thank you, Christopher. And he was wondering if uh, we have ever done, if we guys have ever done professional radio broadcasting. I believe you've referenced this in the past, but I don't remember you guys getting into details about your experience. So, uh, I can speak for myself. I have no experience whatsoever in any kind of radio or broadcasting, but I do have experience uh, performing on stage as a drummer and uh, as a clown, and we'll get to that a little bit more later, but uh, nothing specific to radio or broadcasting. Okay. Um, I I have a complicated answer. <laughs> Actually, yes. it's not that complicated. The, my answer is that no, I don't have any actual professional experience in radio or broadcasting. However, I come from a family that does. Right. My father was a radio journalist, worked for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, also known as the CBC, for his entire career. And uh, so he, my dad was in radio and he loved radio and he still does love radio. And since he retired from the CBC, he's been teaching, uh, he's been doing some teaching basically at local universities and uh, teaching journalism and writing and stuff like that. So he used to read the national news on the CBC every hour. Um, 
and he was a news editor for a long time and stuff like that. So I come from a bit of a broadcasting background, but I do not work in broadcasting during you know the day, and I don't technically have any professional experience with it. Right. But I kind so, but, of wish I did because I really enjoy it. It would be a it. fun career. I think it would be fun too. If I had life to do over again, I might go into broadcasting. This is kind of fun. It might be uh, you know something uh, we could do professionally. I agree. I I'm. It's never too late, my friend. Well, that's kind of too late. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but your your dad has provided tips and tricks over the years too, right? Oh, for sure. I talk to him about recording all the time, about yeah. mixers, about hardware, about techniques, things he did. He was pretty hard on himself, to be honest, when he would be on the air recording. And my dad is one of those typical radio guys where you would never imagine what he looks like if you just heard his voice on the radio. Yeah. And he actually had, you know, a radio voice. He doesn't Yeah, sound... he's got a very baritone kind of, uh, he does have that voice for sure. Right, but he even, he put it on a little bit more on the air too. He doesn't sound in real life exactly like he does or he did when he was reading the news. So right. um, it's it's funny. It's one of those things. When I was in school, when I was a kid, a lot of people, a lot of teachers would recognize my last name and say, hey, are you related to... Ted Fairhurst on the CBC. And I'd be like, yeah, he's my dad. And then everyone would say, oh my gosh, you're famous or he's famous. <laughs> and to me, I was like, no, he's just my dad. <laughs> so well, you see, that's, that goes right to my definition of fame. My absolute definition of fame has always been, if I know who you are, you're famous. And, and that's it. So, uh, you know, my entire family is uh, extraordinarily famous because I know all of them. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Well, there you go. I, you know, but th that's sort of counter though, because I know who my dad is, but I don't consider him famous, but yet everyone else does because they know him from something he does in the public eye. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's more of it. But yeah, Ted Fairhurst, CBC News, Toronto. Right. That was him. Uh, all righty. Next, Michael Pumpkinhead Gollahue asks, what's your favorite cheese? Very boring, but mild cheddar. <laughs> yeah, that is the most boring cheese there is. My answer is that I love cheese so much. Cheese you is are. probably one of my favorite foods. I could eat nothing but cheese all day, every day. And I like a huge variety of cheeses. I've You probably even like blue cheese. Absolutely love blue cheese. Oh, I, I, I despise blue cheese. I it's love... Just, it's just not only cheese, but moldy cheese. And that's why it's so good. I love it's everything gross. from run-of-the-mill cheddar like you to to blue cheese to soft ones like brie or camembert or crumbly cheeses you know everything i just love all cheese it's so so good <laughs> i'm not i'm not a big cheese guy like you are oh well not many people are as cheesy as me but uh right now i i have been uh, enjoying this one it's a lester cheese i think is how you pronounce it here hold on lester did you hear that? Lester. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not hard to pronounce. It's just Lester. Okay. L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. Oh, well, it's pronounced Lester. Okay. So it, sound, it sounds like it's spelt Lester. Lester. <laughs> that's how the Merriam-Webster online dictionary pronounces it. But I found this one. It's a spicy Lester cheese. Ew. And so they've got hot, spicy peppers built into the cheese. It's nice and orange like this cheese usually is. It comes from Leicester in England, and oh my gosh, it's so good. I've been eating a lot of that lately. Um, but uh, in, another specific one is there's a, 
There's a uh, Heritage Cheddar from a company called Balderson, I think. I don't know where that's from, if it's a Canadian company or whatever, but it's like a three- or four-year-old aged cheddar that's really, really nice. So all very good stuff. The more cheese, the better, I'm telling you. Sorry, I'm falling asleep here. <laughs> oh, man, <coughs> cheese is so good. Uh, all right, Dana Thorpe-Patterson writes, Hi, Jason. You're Hi. too cute to need a face mask. So my question is, what are your cat's names? My kittens are Maggie and Dottie. All right, so the face mask she's referring to is the picture on Facebook that I put up while I was in my garage working on some things. And uh, so my cats are Rosie and Lily, and they were uh, my wife's cats before, uh, well, before we got married. They were her cats. And now they're your cats. Yeah, they mostly, uh, Rosie likes me. Uh, she's my, uh, she's my biggest fan. Lily tolerates me just barely and only really likes me when Jennifer's not home. Jennifer's my wife. So if Jennifer's not here, Lily's like, yeah, you're not her, but you'll do. So feed me. Rosie's the skinny one. Yes. Lily's the fatter one. She's a little chubbier. Yeah. The Rosie and Lily are sisters. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Lily doesn't like anybody. She won't go near me. She tolerates me. Okay. Well, so you, I'm probably the only man in the world that she likes. All right. The other one's very friendly, though. Yeah, she's very friendly. Okay. Uh, Ashley, oh, Ashley Hedgewald writes another cheese question. Did you guys ever try the cheese whiz? Yes. And in fact, we did. That was a couple episodes ago, number 140, no, 150 something. Probably. I don't know. The late, late 150s, we ate the cheese, the uh, easy cheese. Was it easy cheese? Was it called easy cheese? It was easy. It was. Either that or crazy cheese. I'm not sure. Yeah, I forget. Crazy cheese was on the show. Easy cheese is in real life, I think. It was spray cheese, whatever it was. It we was did. cheese in a can that came out of the can like whipped cream, but only whipped cheese. Go back Ooh. and listen to that if you want. It was fun to do. Uh, Scott Lundberg writes, Jason, what are you doing in your garage to deserve that gear? And again, that refers to the uh, the face mask and uh, ear protection and eye protection I was wearing. I was I was using my router and I was routing out, uh, I'm making a custom uh, change in wallet dish. So it's a plank of wood, and I'm routing out, uh, doing some uh, plunge routing, routing out a bunch of stuff in there to make areas, one for my wallet, for my keys, my uh, uh, my sunglasses, a section for my watch, and that kind of stuff. So uh, what was happening was my face was right in where the wood chips were flying, so I, I definitely needed the eye protection, and I had the ear protection on because I was listening to something while I was doing that. And, uh, I had a face mask on because I was breathing wood chips, which is not good. Like just a regular, uh, surgical mask mm -hmm. or a dust mask. Uh, but that wasn't working because when I do that, uh, I breathe out and some of the air goes up beside, up my face and into my glasses and steams up the glasses. So I couldn't see. So I put on my, uh, my respirator for when I, uh, or normally do uh, stuff with solvents like staining or varathaning, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I had that on, so it was on a, I had a full regalia on because I was basically breathing wood chips and I didn't like it. You've really gotten into the woodworking lately. Uh, last little while. It's been, I've been very much enjoying it. That's good. There's another, there's a second career for you, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Matt Cortez writes, I'm going to venture off zombies and into your personal lives. Great. Okay. You've given us a decent amount of backstory over the years. So how did you, so how about did you guys go to college? If so, what majors did you have? Also, what jobs do you guys have in your pasts? All right, well, I'll go first. I went to university for physics 
and moved to Toronto with uh, with a rock band because I was living in the Sioux at the time, and I moved to Toronto with a rock band to try and uh, make it down here. Sioux didn't Saint, go anywhere. Sioux Saint, Saint Marie. Marie. Yeah. Yeah, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Uh, as for past jobs, I've played in a clown band uh, as a drummer and a juggler. Uh, I've been a booking agent, booking agent at a children's and family entertainment agency, a drummer. Uh, my favorite job of all time was uh, I was a judge for a Spice Girls lip sync contest, which was the only job I ever had where I sat down and could say to myself, I can't believe you get paid for this. So <laughs> That was a one-time get up on, thing? Well, it was a few times. There was a, a, a children's company that hired me as a real-life booking agent because that was the one of the selling features is that you'll judges are real-life booking agents and you could make it big. So I would sit back and, uh, you know, the contestants would come on stage and sing the first minute of their favorite Spice Girls song or lip sync it. And uh, I would judge on a few different criteria and we'd pick winners and then I'd go on my merry way and put 200 bucks in my pocket. Not bad, man. That sounds fun. It was great. And I've also been a web developer, and right now I'm a software consultant. Well, in my case, I did go to university uh, just doing a basic undergrad degree in sociology and philosophy, of all things. Seriously? I didn't even know that about you. Yeah, I know. What Um, were you thinking? (laughs) Well, I was thinking I got to go to university for something, so I'm going to do an undergrad degree. And everyone was doing, you know, political science or whatever, so I decided sociology. And philosophy's interesting. Why not, man? It's it's the study of the questions that we don't know the answers to. Yeah, I'm not I'm not judging. <laughs> um, after that, I did go to I did a a post grad program at a college for digital design way back in the day. Neither of these things really led to the career I'm in now. Um, certainly not directly. I currently work as for a marketing company as a. Um, web project guy or developer sort of, I have a lot of different hats at this company Yeah, and um, I've been doing that kind of thing for a long time because my previous job was at a music company where we met and I was doing web programming there as well too. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the earlier days of that kind of thing, cause that was a while ago. So, um, and before that I did, I spent a year doing pre-press work for a Heidelberg digital offset printing press. Those were good times. Nice. Um, so I've been in doing computer related stuff for a long time. Yeah. I just kind of eased into web development through a friend of mine, uh, and just worked freelance for a long time. And my first non-freelance job was at Maple where we met and you were a web developer and I was a web developer. Yeah. I was, I was really green at the time, just figuring it out for myself. Like I, I was like, you know, uh, I, I can build websites, but I hadn't, I'd been doing it sort of the old fashioned way, even back then. I don't even know what it was doing, what we, what you'd call it, but it was like, can you write a program? Sure. There's another programmer here who can help me get started and then I'll just take it from there. (laughs) You know, let me tell you and the world a secret about, uh, being a software consultant or really any consultant, uh, or any web developer or any kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. You are essentially half a day ahead of the client. If the client says, can you do this? You say yes, and you've got a half a day to learn it. (laughs) So so basically we're a half a day ahead of the clients. Uh, Nobody, everybody says, yes, of course I can do that, and then learns how. So that's not abnormal. Well, yeah, nobody says, nobody says, nope, can't do that for you. Sorry, I don't want your money. (laughs) Yeah, and as a consultant, I usually say, well, we can do anything given enough time and money. 
Sure, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first job ever was stocking shelves in a grocery store. Uh, my first job ever was uh, playing drums in a pipe band for the Canadian Reserves in the military. That's, that's a more interesting job than mine. Yeah, I did parades and uh, military functions and stuff all over northern Ontario and northern Michigan and, and such. I was 15 and when I got my stock store uh, shelf stocking job. I was 16. There you go. Okay, Mike Starnes asks, any chance during the summer that you might do some Talking Dead podcasts on the comic book series? Would be awesome to hear what you guys think of the series. Uh, think now that the series, where the series is headed after the All Out War storyline wraps up. So the answer to this is probably not, I'm afraid. <laughs> and, and that's because we have a mandate here at the Talking Dead. Yes. Any good uh, any good endeavor requires a mandate. Otherwise, you don't know what you're doing. And our mandate really is first and foremost to cover the Walking Dead TV show. Right. Now, we do talk about the video games. You can't talk about this platform without the video games a little bit, the comic books, the novels, things like that. But really, we are specifically focusing on the TV show. So... And, and if we were ever to do a, you know, any episodes about the comic specifically, it would only be up to the point in the comic as close as we can as to, as it relates to the TV show. Right. So the stuff going on in the comic right now with the all out war storyline and whatever else, we wouldn't talk about that until the TV show gets there if it does. And if the TV show never really goes there, then to be honest, we probably wouldn't talk about it, um, in, you probably wouldn't talk about that part of the comic book storyline. So uh, I hate to disappoint you, Mike, but I'm just uh, we, we got to stick to our stick to our mandate here, right? And you know, and stray from it when it's absolutely necessary. Uh, for example, uh, this particular episode. Sure, this is this is something completely different, right? This is just talk about whatever we want kind of thing. It's nice to to, to get to know people a little bit. So that's kind of what we're doing here, right? But uh, so, you know, we, we will talk about the comic on and off as it relates to the show or as it relates to any other Walking Dead medium, but uh, we probably won't really go into a full-on episode about it. And certainly we won't go ahead of sort of where the show's at. Right. If we can line those two up. All right. Sean Naranjo Glowatsky writes, have you ever had salt potatoes or Utica greens? Regional treats here in Syracuse, New York. All right. So I don't know what either of those are, so I'm going to venture no. Yeah. I understand all those words by themselves, but not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yeah. I know what Utica is and I, I understand greens. And I know what salt is, of course, and potatoes are a staple. But uh, I mean, they—I mean, salted potatoes sounds like potato chips. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it sounds delicious, but no, I'm not sure. I've ever specifically had what Sean is referring to. Yeah. And if if we can ever get down to Syracuse, New York, definitely going to look them up. That's sure. not even that far from here, I don't think. So. No, it really isn't. There you go. Okay, Suzanne Denmark writes: What season of Walking Dead did you like the most so far? And what's your favorite zombie movie? Uh, so far, season-wise, I'm going to have to go with season one. I agree. I'm going to go with season one, too. It was short. It was too short, in my opinion. You could have could have used another six episodes. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really... And I'm, I'm a big fan of the Emergence story as well. 
Uh, we have debates about, you know, Spider-Man 1 versus Spider-Man 2. You like Spider-Man 2 better. I think you're full of crap because Spider-Man 1 was way better. No, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, season one for me. I like season one too. I agree it was too short, but what they did in season one was all no filler. You know, it was all really good in my opinion. And And the first episode, the pilot episode, was so fantastic that it almost stands on its own as as anything outside of any of the four seasons. So um, really, really like season one. After that, I might say season two, then season four, and then season three. But, but the way they split them up into, into halves, or they have been recently, I almost start to think about each half as its own thing, right? Like I liked the second half of season four more than the first or whatever, you know? Yeah. But as a standalone single, I'm going to go season one. And do you have a favorite zombie movie? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Zombieland. Zombieland's a pretty good choice. Yeah, just because it's uh, it's more lighthearted and recent and, I don't know, it just, it was so, it was very entertaining for me. I really liked it. I liked it a lot too. I've watched, I've rewatched it and it's just as good, just as funny, you know, on, on a second or third viewing. Um, but I think I like the zombie movies. I Hey, I love all zombie movies for the most part, but I do enjoy ones that are a little bit different, a different take on it. For example, the French movie, They Came Back, which right. was the original uh, material for The Returned, that TV show. Um, I thought that was really cool. I thought that uh, Pontypool was very, very cool about the zombie outbreak as... Um, as told from the perspective of people stuck in a radio station. I right. thought that was really, really neat. So stuff like that, I think, is is really fun to do. Um, Rec was really good. I was going to mention Rec. Rec was really good. And just for the for the record here, I, right. I'm, not, I'm not really making a distinction between zombies and infected people because it's all kind of the same. Um, right. But you're right. Rec was really good. And I have a soft spot, to be honest, for... The well, the whole Resident Evil series, I must admit, but I do really enjoy the first original Resident Evil movie. Okay, no, <laughs> well, yeah, I've never really been into the Resident Evil. I never played the video game, and the movies didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, specifically. I, I, I actually tried one of the games and really hated it. But the first movie I thought was really impressive, and I've seen. I think all of the other ones, and I can't say I hated any, but they weren't as good as the first one. Well, they were filmed in Toronto, which is nice. Yeah, Toronto doubles for Raccoon City, which is fun. Yeah. In one of them, they were rappelling up and down City Hall here in Toronto, which is funny. There was one where they uh, they blocked off the end of a bridge. It was the uh, it was the a Bloor Street Bridge. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was living right near there at the time when they were filming it, and I remember riding my bike. Uh, tr and across the bridge, like I was going across the bridge for whatever reason and I was coming down and they had these big walls that they were building and, uh, a couple of lanes were blocked off. I'm like, holy crap, this is a big film shoot. Yeah. I remember seeing that and that was pretty cool. And then I saw it in the movie and the movie didn't do anything for me, but it's like, that was really cool to, to, to ride my bike through this, through the set. Yeah. Uh, where well, they were filming. That's fun. And then, of course, uh, Shaun of the Dead. I'm still a big fan of Shaun. Oh, yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Can't. So many good movies. I know. There are there are many. 
All right, moving right I'm along. I'm changing my answer to Shaun of the Dead. Okay, Shaun of the Dead. I, I'm sorry. Spe- speaking of Shaun of the Dead, I can remember when that was, when I just heard about that movie, when it was only available over in the UK, I was dying to see it so bad. I was like, I got to see this movie. I yeah. People are talking about it like it's the best thing ever, and I was just super excited to see it. And I don't remember how long it took before I was able to, to watch a copy of it, but uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Is very good. Okay, Maylen Dora Nelson writes, if you could bring any character from another zombie-related show, movie, comic into The Walking Dead show, who would you pick and why? I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, it is. Maybe related to our favorite zombie movies um, or, or, the, or the video game, Frank West from Dead Rising. Oh, Frank West would be good. I would. Uh, I was speaking of Frank. I was thinking of. Uh, I'd like to see Frank or who played uh, who was in Twenty Eight Days Later. He played by uh, Brendan Gleeson. He was the guy. He had a daughter. He was up in a hold up in a uh, in an apartment building. Yeah. So anyway, I like I like Brendan Gleeson. I like him uh, in everything I've ever seen him in. So I, I just want that actor <laughs> to be in the show. Yeah. So bring that's, Frank. That's pretty good. Twenty Eight Days Later. Um. I think, you know, another one, you know, I'm one of the only people in the world that enjoyed 28 weeks later more than 28 days later. Yeah, see, that just, I'm just going to reject that out. I know, but I'm thinking maybe Robert Carlyle from that movie. He would be fun. <sighs> Robert Carlyle would be good. He's awesome. I love Robert Carlyle. And I liked his character in that 28 weeks later, too. So, yeah, he would be cool. I don't know, Sean, Sean of the Dead, that would be fun. Um, Anybody who was in train spotting can come on over to, uh, to 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 walk the Walking Dead would be great. Woody Harrelson, what was his Zombieland name? Uh, was he Arizona? Um, he wasn't Wichita. That was uh, what's her face, Emma or Emma Stone, right? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, he would be fun. That character would be good to have. Um, I don't know. We're focusing on more recent stuff. I don't know about any older stuff. Tallahassee. Tallahassee. There you go. All right, let's move on. Melissa Brown, do you have a favorite cheesy line or scene from The Walking Dead? Not really. I'm afraid not really. That's a horrible answer that we both just gave. You know, I had trouble coming up with anything that I thought was especially cheesy on this show, except for sort of the characterization of Eugene Abraham and Rosita. Right. They can be, they can come off a little cheesy, I thought, especially Abraham. He's a little bit, in my opinion, so far a little bit one-dimensional. Now, they'll flesh him out a little bit, right? So um, I don't know if I have a specific line or scene that he was involved in, but, you know, maybe son of a dick when he said that. That's a bit cheesy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it one is. of those things that I feel like wouldn't come out of anyone's mouth in real life, and it was sort of... The writer's just wanting to do something funny. So uh, I don't know, maybe that, but I honestly don't have a better answer. I'm sorry, Melissa. Uh, if I had to go with cheesy, I'm, I'm just kind of sorry that uh, Andrew Lincoln didn't say uh, they're fucking with the wrong people. True. That's a good choice. Yeah, that's he, the last line. He really should have. Yeah. Would have been more impactful. All right. Uh, Dave Trebini asks, do either of you read any comic books other than The Walking Dead? I'm going to have to go and go ahead and say no. You barely read The Walking Dead anymore. Well, I'm way <laughs> behind on The Walking Dead, and I don't follow any other comic books religiously. I'll pick them up 
or, you know, pick some out on uh, my iPad and read them every now and again, but uh, nothing specific. Sorry, specific. Uh, I've never been a comic book guy. Yeah, I don't read too many other books, to be honest. Um, I do, you know, I follow along with what Dave's doing because he's putting out some really cool stuff with Stranger and Of Stone and other things he's working on. So I definitely follow along with those. Um, But I have read over the years... Why the Last Man? I've read um, uh, Robert Kirkman's one of his other books, Invincible. Not up to current, but I've read you know the first I don't know eighty or ninety issues of that. Um, right now, I was in a comic book store recently, and I noticed there was a uh, a new Twilight Zone comic series written by uh, J. Michael Straczynski, and I'm like that might be kind of cool, so I picked that up. There's only been four issues of it so far, but I am reading that right now. Um, and when I was a kid, I used to read some Spider-Man and various Marvel books and things like that. Uh, but really, no, not so much. I'm almost more of a, uh, um, well, oh, you know, one other thing right now is they're releasing the Dragon Tattoo stories in graphic novel format. Oh, yeah. And I picked up uh, the first <clears throat> the first couple of those, so I've been reading that. But that's more like I'll just get it when it comes out, right? It's not regular issues. Right. So... Um, there's a lot of comics that I liked, like Chew. I like the idea behind Chew. Yeah. Where a guy has, is, can get psychic impressions of things that he eats. Right. That he has to eat them in order to get the psychic impression. Yeah. Which is, and he's a detective. So, uh, or a private investigator or whatever. But I really like the premise behind that, but I never really followed up. And I started reading Thief of Thieves. Oh, but, yeah. But, uh, I never really kept up with that even though there was some talk of a television show i'm not sure where that lands these days yeah i i started reading thief of thieves as well and um i think i purchased the first 20 or so issues and i have them all here and i probably will read them someday but i've only read the first more four or five as it stands um but uh amc is developing thief of thieves as a tv show not really any news on that yet but uh that may be coming down the road at some point um so yeah, um, that's that's that. Not yeah. not that many. All right. Uh, Emma Jackson writes: Are you gonna do anything with the short stories from the competition you did? They sounded interesting. So here's the deal with that. I did I did sort of plan to put them out there somehow originally, but then you know this is a podcast. It's audio. I'm not gonna read them all, and most of them definitely are written. We had a couple people send in themselves reading their, their entry, but mostly they're written. So I haven't figured out or come up with a great way of putting them out there yet. Like, I don't want to just post them on the site one at a time or string them all together in one mega post or something. That doesn't seem right. Um, we did have some people suggest we put them together as like an ebook of some kind, right? which maybe isn't a terrible idea. You know, that's something we could do. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I've never really connected sort of the podcast and it's all audio with the short stories that we got. And we, I've got them all, they're all here ready to go, but, uh, I just don't know exactly how to put them out there. So if you have any really good ideas, Jason, you or anybody else, let me know. Well, maybe um, an ebook of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> good thinking, man. 
Yeah, uh, and it also has to do with whatever, you know, uh, there's work involved. Like, we have to talk uh, talk to the authors of them to get permission to do whatever it is we want to do with them. So it's not just simply, you know, taking the short stories and printing out a PDF and posting it on the, on the website. There's... Uh, there's copyright issues. There's uh, permission issues. There's things we'd have to do to get all that put together. Yeah, we had a really basic little disclaimer involved when we collected them, but I I wouldn't want to do anything without actually sort of running it by everybody. So, um, yeah, it's the the winning one. The one we chose as the winner was posted. You can find that on our site and, and on Facebook, I think. But uh, right now, yeah, I'm just not not sure. the 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 audio recordings that as you know, was out last week. So different, different story there, but that's because it's audio and this whole thing is audio. So, right. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got two more questions and then we're, uh, finally through all these. It's cool. taking, taking a little longer than I thought, but that's okay. It's been really fun. Um, Andrew Sharp writes, which walking dead character would you most like to be stuck in an elevator with? And which one would you like least to be stuck in an elevator with? All right. So I would mo with character. I'd like to most, be, most likely no, I would most like to be stuck in an elevator with yes. would be Axel because I'd ask him how I could be as cool as he is. <laughs> there I'd, you I'd go. have the chance. Okay. And I would really hate to be stuck in an elevator with Merle because he'd just complain all the time. He would complain, he would bitch, he would moan, he would just be, uh, he would generally be annoying the whole time. Probably spit. He may, uh, you know, he may take, take a piss in the elevator. Who knows? Outside of any of the featured zombies, being stuck in an elevator with, I wouldn't want to be with any of them. Well, they're not really characters. No, they're right? not. But they're listed on the character page on the Walking Dead wiki. The the featured yeah. ones, anyways. Of course, right. so are the animals, like the two horses and the pig. <laughs> well, I um, wouldn't want to be stuck in an elevator with a pig. Uh, Especially a feral pig, because they got horns or tusks. Tusks, and they'd, and they'd eat you. And little sharp hairs, I bet. But my answer was Merle, too, because Merle would just make me really, really uncomfortable in that elevator, right? You just never know what he's going to do. And uh, I wouldn't want to be in there very long with him. But frankly, uh, the, uh, you know, Joe or any of the wild dogs, they wouldn't be that pleasant in an elevator, I don't think. Well, you'd have to claim the buttons to get off of your floor. And how annoying would that be? Yeah, exactly. Claimed. Four. <laughs> Claimed. You're Claimed. stuck here now. <laughs> Claiming one, two, three, and seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, be enjoy being stuck in an elevator with? Maybe Maggie. Right. You know? Because that way you wouldn't have to move heaven and earth to, uh, you know, and step on her dad's head to get to her because she'd be right there in the elevator with. She'd be right there. And, you know, hopefully we'd be stuck there for two or three days and really get to know each other. Right. And you'd have to, you know, stay warm. That's right. Because it's Because elevators can get very cold. And dark. And then you'd have to, uh, uh, that'd be even worse than uh, the strip joint where you had to go poo, you know. <laughs> That'd be like way worse. You'd be you'd have to poo in an elevator beside Maggie. Yeah, but that was excuse me. I just have to poo over in this <laughs> corner. <laughs> Except the strip joint was real life. This is a fantasy elevator I'm in. All right, so yeah, you don't poo in your fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on from that right now to our last question, which has nothing to do with anything except what it has to do with Jeffrey Bren Brenneman. Bren Brenneman says, what are your top five Canadian musical artists? So I don't have a top five. I'm just going to say right now. But I do have a list here of Canadian bands that I have 
loved over the years, on and off. Um, some I haven't listened to in a long time. Some I listen to right now. Uh, but I couldn't really put them in any sort of order and or ranking. Right. Okay. So do you want to hear my it. list? Yeah. Here we go. Sloan, The Skydiggers, Joel Plaskett, The Weaker Thans, White Horse, Royal Wood, The Tragically Hip, Gordon Lightfoot, Spirit of the West, Wild Strawberries, The Sheepdogs, The Odds, The New Pornographers, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, 5440, The Deers, Treble Charger, Tokyo Police Club, and Said the Whale. All right, so most of Treble Charger is from the Sioux. I don't know if you knew that. No, didn't know that, but three out of the four of them are from the Sioux. They were a good band in the 90s. They were a good band. All My entire list of five bands are from the 90s. Well, let, <laughs> let's hear them. All right, so, and they each have a little bit of a story. So Sloan, I, you know, same thing, 5440, uh, one of the best songs on my list of Canadian top songs is 5440. Uh, the Grapes of Wrath, I don't know if you remember them from the early 90s. Oh, I do, actually, and my my buddy who runs a little record label has re-released or released their comeback album just this year. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I met them one time uh, when they were playing a show in Sudbury. Yep. Uh, I also met, we opened for 5440 one time in the Sioux. That was fun. That's and we cool. opened for uh, this other band, the, the Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember them, TPOH. I, I didn't, I you know, wasn't a big fan of their stuff. I'm an like, adult I, now, I, baby. Yeah, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm an adult now. That plays on the radio every now and again. Yeah. But, they, you know, they were kind of okay. But then we opened for them in uh, at the, the Eastgate in the Sioux. And then uh, when they were performing, we watched them from, you know, beside the stage. So it was... Uh, a little bit backstage and their music I didn't like all that much but they had so much fun performing mm -hmm. like they really really enjoyed themselves they enjoyed themselves so much that I liked it that I liked them because of it yeah and uh, that's why I like the pursuit of happiness because they liked it so much they liked performing so much well stage presence is so important to a live show like if, if you know how to perform live and, and you learn that as if you're a band or you're a professional musician, you know, you don't start out. Most people don't start out being able to really do that, but they learn it as they go. I was at a Tragically Hip concert one time and I watched the opening band, which is a band I knew and they were good, but they, they just looked like little guys on the stage. Like I was kind of far back at this show. They just looked like little guys on the stage playing their songs and having a good time. The hip came out and I just felt like they were huge. They filled the room because they yeah. knew how to do it. They had an amazing stage presence. 5440 was like that. Yeah. Like it just, it was fine and everything was, was fun and we all had a good time. But then they came on the stage and it was just like, holy shit, I'm, I'm putting away my drumsticks. That's it. It's over. Cause like, they, they, they've already, they've done it. They've done everything I've ever wanted to accomplish. It's right there in front of me. There's no point in continuing. <laughs> yeah. They were that good. Yeah. So anyway, 5440, they still should be together. They were together forever. Yeah. I love them. Anyone else? Oh yeah. The, uh, what else we got here? Oh, and then the Zach's All-Stars, which is, uh, nobody's ever heard of them because I've never put out a band, uh, put out an album. But they're just a group of musicians that play in the Sioux every once in a while, and the uh, the drummer's my my uncle, and they're also like the Sioux has put out Sioux Saint Marie Ontario has put out so many so many good musicians over uh, the last fifty years, and these guys are just like some of the best musicians I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, and they get together and play and just do covers, and there was one Halloween show that they played uh, that the uh, the guitar player Jimmy Scully. Uh, he had a, a running contest to see how many uh, Halloween uh, 
licks he could put into his guitar solos. And it was just <laughs> absolutely phenomenal to watch and behold, it was amazing. That's awesome. Well, you know, it, we sort of alluded to it earlier, but you and I, when the company we worked for when we when we first met was a music company. It was, yeah. Um, record label distribution company. They did a lot of different things. So we were essentially, although not really doing music industry type stuff because we were web guys, but we were working in the music industry. So over the years there, I ended up, and probably you too, but although I was there a lot longer than you were, um, ended up meeting a lot of these musicians, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've met Getty Lee from Rush. I've met um, uh, Gord Downey from the Tragically Hip. Uh, a lot of the bands I listed, I not really hung out with, but I met them in the course of doing my job or at the at the label. So, you know, I have a close relationship, or at least I did with the Canadian music industry. So, yeah, I it, feel like I had not as not as close as you, but uh, you know, with just being you know doing stuff for Jan Arden's website. You know, you get to talk to Jan Arden on the phone once. That was that was fun. Yeah, exactly. I worked with the Cowboy Junkies for on a whole all kinds of projects for a couple of years there, right? And I should have actually put them on here too because I went through phases where I thought they were fantastic. Well, I shouldn't say I went through phases. I do think they're fantastic, although I don't <laughs> right. put on their music all that often, right? Anymore, especially. But uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where if I was just sort of outside the industry, completely independent of it, then I might have sort of a shorter list, but I, so many of these, these artists I really dug over the years, Sloan, Skydiggers, all these guys, Joel Plaskett, I listen to all the time now still, cause I really love what he does. So, um, hard to narrow it down, but, uh, that's some yeah, of them yeah. right there. Every, every one of the bands that I listed, we either opened for and met or, uh, I've seen them live. Right. Cause I still in my heart of heart, like I being a musician and having, uh, being a drummer in bands my whole life, uh, I still think of music as an event instead of a thing, whereas uh, you right. know a record is a thing. But I still think of music as as an event, and I also often say that for being a musician, I'm surprisingly uninterested in music. I so much prefer performing than I do listening. Like I'll if I need to put on music, I'll just throw on an, an '80s internet radio station and just let it rip. Right. Like I, <laughs> I don't pick and choose my music really, other than. Uh, playing so it's i have to experience the the event of it in order to really really enjoy it yeah my um my kids enjoy listening to music a lot especially in the car so um we put on a lot of this kind of stuff when we're driving anywhere and they've gotten to know a lot of these bands you know a little bit and so they they request it now just really quickly if if uh jeffrey in case you want to know what my current favorite bands are i have two for you Okay. Neither of I'm them. Interested. Neither of them are Canadian. One of them is a band out of Austin, Texas, called Quiet Company. They might be my favorite band of all time. They are so they're that good. I just can't get enough. I've been listening to their album "We Are All Where We Belong," which has been out for a couple of years now. I listen to it constantly, still to this day, and I've bought everything they have ever put out. I absolutely love it. And then the other one which is pretty new, is a band from Iceland called Of Monsters and Men. And they've just put out their first record. Well, maybe not just, but they only have one out. Really, really good stuff on there, too. So Quiet Company and Of Monsters and Men are my two current favorite music artists. I don't think I have a current. No, because it, it would be 80s. It's all uh, 80s, 80s and 90s. Mix. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, no problem. All right, that is it. Thank you, everyone. That was really fun, eh? 
It was fun. That was good. Just talking about ourselves for a while. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who sent those questions. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another one of these at some point. And um, that is going to do it for the podcast today. That that uh, took a lot longer than I thought, uh, an hour and a half almost to do our Ask Us Anything, but whatever. It I was. guess we can talk about ourselves quite a bit. Yeah, I guess we can. We're good at that. Um, so uh, thank you again, everyone, for doing that. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can still call the toll-free zombie line at one 483 9662 you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And you never know when Jason might post something new there. <laughs> you never know. You never know. It could happen at any time. Um, you can send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. One more thing we're going to do right here, Jason, that's really exciting. And hopefully oh, yeah? everyone's st stuck around till the end here. Okay, what's that? We are going to announce our next live call-in show. We've done two of oh, these yeah. in the past. Two of these in the past. Hasn't been, we haven't done one for a while. So we've done two in the past and one in the future. That's right. And the one in the future is going to be on Friday. No, not Friday. Not Saturday. Friday. I think Saturday, June the 7th, uh, probably around 5 p.m. Eastern that day. That puts it not, that puts it before midnight in Europe. And, you know, not that early in the day on the uh, West Coast of North America. So we try to get the biggest group of people available as we can to call in. So um, June 7th is a Saturday, right? Yeah. Okay, so June the 7th, 5 p.m., roughly Eastern. But we'll be updating that with more concrete information over the next uh, month or couple of months until then. But it's a live call-in show. So what happens is we all get on Skype. You guys add us to Skype. We accept you in real time. You can call in. You can talk about whatever you want. Ask us questions, whatever. So uh, it's really kind of fun to do. And uh, we haven't done one in a while. So it is about time. I, I agree. I think it's going to be fun. And I like doing the live call-in shows. Uh, I like doing this kind of thing, Ask Us Anything. Uh, but the live call-in shows are even more fun. Yeah, because they're right off the cuff, and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no chance to fix anything. Like if for some reason one of us blurted out something like "Boomers a Cylon," you can't go back and fix that <laughs> if it's a live show. No, you can't. Everyone who is there hears it, you know, once and for all. So yeah. Uh, so that'll be June the seventh. But uh, keep listening for a little bit more information on that, and uh, it should be a good time. So. All right. Um, until next time, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. We'll see you soon. Ciao. Uh, everybody called me Naked Man. <laughs>